Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to get into the message today, and uh, you can go ahead and turn over to the book of Romans, chapter 1. But uh, I want to just, first of all, give some honor here today to a very special person in our ministry who labors uh, in a place where you don't see that labor happening much, but you're glad it is happening, especially if you have babies. Our nursery director, Valerie Foster, is sitting here on the front row. Can we give her a great, great big hand today? Because what is happening, it's good to know that you can take your children, babies to the nursery, or even children's to children's church, and know that you can sit in here and hear the Word of God and know that they are also getting the same thing at their level. And I'm just grateful for people who come in here and just keep things secure and safe. And we know that they're in good hands. Uh, and, uh, and, and because Valerie does this with all of her heart. She's not just babysitting babies. No, she sees this as a mission in her life. Her mission to, to care for them and to nurture them and to teach them the things of God at those very early ages. And I'm just grateful to all. For grateful to God for you, and she's so faithful to our ministry, and uh, and just loyal to Heather and I, almost to a fault. Uh, but uh, I mean, seriously, physically violent on our on our case on our behalf. I'm just kidding. I, I really, uh, she would. Uh, but Valerie has just had some awesome thing happen in her life recently, and I said, you got to share that with the church. You got to share what happened in your life, and so I asked her to come. Uh, and share this with you today. So go ahead, come up here, Valerie, and tell them your story. Um, recently at work, I've come into some issues with the supervisor there, and so a bunch of stuff was going on, but I made a decision right before, it was the Sunday of the conference, that I was going to go into work, and I was just going to be who I was, because God was my advocate and he would go and handle that. And I didn't have to stand up and say all this stuff and go in and fight with her and plead my case because God would do that for me. And I made that decision. I was going to stand on the word. And I wasn't going to waver from it no matter what she did throughout the week. And I'm in conference the whole time, so of course I'm built up anyway. But I went in every day just smiling no matter what. God's going to be my advocate. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. Well, during that week of conference, Roxanne told me, I've done my job and I've done it well, promotion now. So I was like, I wasn't even thinking about that because I was like, well, I'm just hoping I have a job. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's awesome. So when I went in uh, that week, things were still rough, and then I got called in by a regional supervisor and found out a bunch of more stuff, and I was like, doesn't matter, does not matter. God will take care of this. So... Uh, my regional supervisor asked me to go and help out another store that they were having some issues because she sends me over to help all the stores. And while I was over there, she asked me to step out and told me she wanted to talk to me for a minute and come to find out on a, our rehab side, which is where a lot of the money happens, the manager over there has sought me out for a position and felt like I was the only one in the company that could fulfill it. So I said, you know, I want to pray about that, make sure I'm making the right move. So... I went back out, and then my regional supervisor called me again and said, can you step out? And I said, yeah. She said, okay, now the DME manager over there also wants you. So you have a decision to make. So I chose the job that was promotion with more money 
And all of that was already handled. And I didn't have to do anything but stand on the word and know that God is my advocate no matter what comes out against me. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. God is your advocate. Repay no one. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I will repay. Amen. And he always repays with good. Thank you, Valerie, for sharing that. And she told me she was never going to turn down an opportunity to speak anymore. So you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'm really proud of you, Valerie. Uh, thank God for her ministry and um, her testimony. Hallelujah. So good to have all of you here today. And we're going to get into Romans chapter 1. I promise you I know what time it is. All right. But like this is like the, if you're a sports fan, this is like the worst time in the year in sports anyway, right? So you might as well just hang out in church. Uh, no football season comes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, a very familiar verse of Scripture. If we, if we could all read this out loud together. Ready? Read. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And there's a very important reason why the Apostle Paul is saying this. I mean, think about it. What is there to be ashamed of when it comes to this gospel? I mean, it's the most incredible news anyone could ever hear, right? What is that news? Jeremiah talked about it earlier. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried. And He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's it. That's the gospel. And that, in, in other words, it's all about Christ did this, Christ did this, Christ did this. That's the good news of the message. Because all other news that comes from religion is you got to do. You do, you do, you do. But the gospel is completely separate from all those other ones. It says Christ did, Christ did, Christ did. You believe. It's, it's awesome. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. The reason he's saying that, it's like he's having to take a stance here because there were some who were ashamed of this good news. And I'm sad to say there are still people today that are ashamed of this good news. Ashamed of the gospel. Ashamed of its power. Ashamed of its goodness. Ashamed of its ease. Ashamed that all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and all your sin is eradicated. It already was eradicated, but the moment you believe it, it became true for you. All your sins are washed away and you're made completely a new creation. Everything that is old is gone. Everything about you that was dead has now been made alive in Christ Jesus. Not only that, but he also secured a place in heaven for you. So that when you pass from this life, then that's when life really starts. That's when you really start living. The scripture says he even seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I mean, where he sits, you sit. You have to be pretty holy and pretty righteous to have a seated position like that. And there's nothing that we could have done in and of ourselves because the Scripture says that while we were still dead, Christ made us alive. While we were still dead in our sins, He made us sit together with Him in heavenly places. See, this is the, the gospel. The gospel is, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? 
huh? When you think about it, because our human reasoning has to do with do good, get good, do bad, get bad, right? There's, it's, it's consequent, action, consequence, cause and effect. Sow a seed, reap a harvest, right? And all of those things are true, but the gospel transcends all of that. And the gospel says this. See, if Jeremiah had committed a crime, and you better not be committing crime, but if he's committed a crime, I'm, or had, I'm sorry, if he had been accused of committing a crime, but he's innocent of that crime, then we all wouldn't have a problem for him being justified and, and, and declared uh, innocent if he was truly innocent. I mean, if all the evidence showed that, yeah, he did not commit this crime, it's only right, we think it's only right that he's justified, right? That he is declared innocent of the charges because he truly is innocent. That's easy for all of us to, to, to go along with that. But see, the gospel says something completely different and against our nature and reasoning and thinking. And it says that God justifies the ungodly. How does he do that? How does he do that and stay just? How does he do that and stay right? God justifies the ungodly? You mean the guys who are guilty? He declares them righteous? He declares them justified? He declares them innocent? Yeah. Yeah, because this life we live is not a changed life. It is an exchanged life. And the Scripture teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God was in Christ. Come on, say in Christ. Because that in Christ is everything for you and I. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them or not accounting their sins against them. God was in Christ doing that. In other words, what God was doing was what the, uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 53 says that all we are, were like sheep and we'd gone astray and everybody had turned to his own way and we we're all living life for ourselves and in, in the middle of all of that, everybody going astray and, 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 and people were, were enemies of God and, and outright rebellion. Some of them were weak in sin and some of them were strong in sin, loving it. And, and, but in the middle of all that, the scripture says that God was in Christ Reconciled the whole world to himself. So God took it upon himself. Wow. To blame his son for all of that. To blame Jesus for all of my wrongdoing and all your wrongdoing, all your going astray and all your turning away. God blamed Jesus for that. And Jesus willingly took the blame. And he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. See, Jesus didn't become a sinner. He became sin. He got right at the root of the problem, right? Our condition was what was messed up. We were dead in sin. We were lost. We were it wasn't our actions. It was our condition that had to change. We were born right into it. And so God would not leave us in that condition. So then Jesus became sin, and an exchange took place. For those who will believe this gospel, those who are in sin, those who are lost and dead in it, now become righteousness from sinful to righteous. Just like that. By this gospel that has the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It's not just the power of God to salvation. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And God is so thoroughly convinced of his son's work. My family, let me just say this to you today, that God is not looking at a sinful world. 
If you've been on Facebook lately, you might think that's all he sees. And I wish we would see it like God sees it. Because then are we really living in truth? Because for us to stand up and hold a righteous standard over unrighteous people is really not fair, is it? Okay. Well, I don't think it is anyway. The book of Romans chapter 6 verse 20 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, there was no standard for you to uphold because you weren't righteous. You were bound in sin. God wasn't holding you not being righteous against you. You weren't doing good things. He wasn't holding that. You were free from that because you were not made the righteousness of God in Christ. So, I just want, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. How many of you are social media-ites? All right? Nobody wants to admit it. Oh, no. I'm just talking about I'm not, I'm not here to condemn you, all right? I'm, some of you are on this stuff a lot, like Facebook and stuff. Let me just recommend you do this, all right? Because there's all kinds of opinions out there. And the saddest thing in the world to me is to see Christians drawing lines of division in, in moments like these. Yeah. Saying, you, if you're on this side, then you're right. If you're on this side, this side, then you're absolutely wrong. How about this? How about that we just come back to not being ashamed of the gospel? Huh? And believe that it is the power. Right opinion is not the power to save people. It's the gospel that is the power to save. The gospel. How about just every couple of minutes or days or hour, however often you're on it, just put Christ died for your sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead three days later. Believe on him and you'll receive everlasting life. You might just start a firestorm. There's a good chance that you're going to suffer for that message. Because the religious world hates that. They hate it. They hate it that it's that easy. That it, oh, you can't be that easy. No, you gotta, you got to let them know that they got to count the cost. <laughs> Jesus already counted the cost. He counted the cost. Jeremiah said he just gave it out, and their only obligation was to receive it. By grace are you saved through faith. God gives grace, we give faith, and watch. God sends down grace, we send up faith, and when grace and faith meet, a miraculous explosion takes place. A new birth happens. And from that day forward, as we continue to walk by faith, we continue to, 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 to uh, encounter this grace and faith explosion. Let's look at Romans 1.17. Everybody all right out there? I want to just say a couple more things. Two things that we're going to see here. The righteousness of God is revealed. Watch. For in it, the righteous in what? In the gospel. There you go. Who said that? Gold star for Brian Triber. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Did you see this? In what? Good. The gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So this is interesting. This teaches us that having a revelation of the righteousness of God cannot come to me unless I believe the gospel. All right? But the moment I believe it, I get a revelation, a new understanding. All right? From faith to faith. All right, what does that mean, faith to faith? Well, it means the first moment that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To be your Savior. 
And then to faith, this next part, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you have the initial faith for salvation, and then you have faith to live by. All right? So every day that you walk by faith, that you choose to walk by faith, you continually live in that revelation of the righteousness of God. And, and if you found yourself today, and maybe over some time, having some insecurity about your standing with God as a, as a Christian, let me just say this to you. Somewhere along the way, you got out of faith. Somewhere along the way, you started doubting, and things happened, and, and, and it began to, to dull your vision of what's true. Because the revelation of the righteousness of God, which is what you are now, is only known by faith. It's not by feelings. If you're waiting to feel saved, you might, <laughs> you're going to wait a long time. That's not going to happen until we get to heaven. Because you've got this body to contend with for the rest of your life here on this earth. Right? And this body's trying to help you feel anything but saved. It don't like this salvation. It doesn't like the things of the Spirit. It wants to serve it and it alone. Huh? So we're in this struggle. So it's not about feelings. That's how we need this sixth sense called faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now watch verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. So, oh, so we have the righteousness of God is revealed how? By the gospel. The gospel brings that revelation. But watch. But the wrath of God is revealed, not from the gospel. Hey, any of you legalistic preachers here, I want you to see this, all right? The wrath of God is not revealed through the gospel. The righteousness of God is re revealed through the gospel. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Boy, this, this, this scripture, if everybody will see it, will make everybody really honest about who they are and what they sense and what they feel. What, verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Now, he's talking about unrighteous and ungodly people that have an understanding. He says that God has already shown it to them. What has he shown to them? His wrath against unrighteousness and ungodliness. See, the fact that we're all made in God's image means that we have his character traits about us. And there's something that's put on the inside of us called a God sense. That everybody has it, but not everybody acknowledges that they have it. A lot of people are in denial about it, but they can deny all they want, but it's still there. Everybody has a God sense. And so there's this gaping hole, this big, this distance, this chasm between them and God. And they sense that, and they sense this impending doom, and there's just this haunting feeling that something's not right with me. Something's wrong when it comes to me and my Creator. And they be right, because we're all born in sin. And God has shown it to them. They suppress that truth and unrighteousness, Right? By calling themselves any other thing, I, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist. Well, okay. You're suppressing the truth. That, that hole is still there. That wanting, that you, it's still there. That lack is still there. It's still there. Because God has already shown it to them. So it's not my responsibility. Can I just say this? It's not my responsibility, not your responsibility to tell the sinner, listen to me, that they're a sinner. God already revealed that to them. That's already been revealed. Hello. They already know it. 
They already sense and feel and understand the separation, that something's not right. For me to stand up and tell somebody how sinful they are, that's not helping the situation at all. I mean, what if God had stepped out in the very beginning and he stood out there in that deep, black, dark space and said, Wow, it is dark out here. Man, it's dark. Hey, Jesus, come on. Look at this. Gabriel, Michael, y'all come on. Look how dark it is. Can you believe how dark it is here? Can you see the darkness everywhere? Now, what'd God do? He stepped out in the darkness and said, Light. And light was. And the scripture calls this gospel the light. The light of his glorious gospel. So we don't come into this dark world so that we can talk about how dark the world is. My family, we're spinning our wheels, wasting our time. It's our place to turn on the lights, to declare light. What is light? Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Believe on him. And that, that gaping hole will all of a sudden be satisfied with everything you've been looking for. What you've been looking for all your life, you will find it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every sense of lack and death in you and doom will all go away in the person of the Lord Jesus. And that has been revealed. And it's like we all have this accountability then. Everyone is born with a sense that they're accountable. Over time, we've come to, to experience it more the, more we, the quicker we grow up. And, if, you know, if you're a kid, you, you find out real fast that you're accountable in the house to mom and dad to do what they tell you to do. So we're already raised with that sense. I was telling the earlier service, it reminded me of these kids that were in this little Catholic school. And, and they were in line for lunch. And there was this big pile of apples in the front of the line as they were going through with their trays. And a, a nun had put a, a little sign there next to the apple and said, uh, uh, um, take only one apple. God is watching. And as the kids made their way down the line, there's a whole pile of chocolate chip cookies where a little boy had put up his own little sign and said, take all you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> you are all born with this understanding that God is watching you and there is no escaping his eye. It's interesting that we sometimes can think that we can reason uh, uh, ourselves out of facing the truth by trying to hide. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Think about that. They sinned and they went into the bushes and they started sewing fig leaves together and trying to camo themselves. The first mossy oak pattern was made by uh, Adam and Eve. Proficient deer hunters. Terrible, terrible at hiding from God though. They were, here they were, Hiding themselves behind these. Think about how unreasonable this is, right? If we sew these leaves together, God won't see us. And if we, if we duck down real good in the dark, he won't see us. But yeah, he found them, didn't he? He found them. Because the scripture says, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. God sees every creature. No, there is no creature hidden from his eyes. Now, that shouldn't scare you. That actually ought to encourage you because you're all here today in church. You all believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You accept Jesus as your Savior, and so you look to Him. I hope all of you have. But if you haven't, that can change today. You can change today. What's known, what, because what may be known of God is manifest 
in them. So God has made sure that when we're born, we have a sense of him so that we'll start searching for him. All right? But it is our place as the church to bring this gospel to turn the lights on in this very dark world so that those who are in the darkness can see their way out. But if we're out here pointing at the darkness, where's the light? Where's the light? We're either ashamed of the gospel or we're not. We either believe in this good news, and this good news is good news. It sounds too good to be true, and it is still true. It's still true. It sounds too good. Yeah, it does sound too good, but it's still true. That's the great thing about it. This gospel does not have some, you, want, you know, many times we hear good news, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, or we think, what's the catch to this thing? Because that's how we've come up with these phrases like this, right? Jaded by good things, because what seemed to be a good thing, we found out wasn't all that good thing. There were strings attached. There was some kind of condition for it. So it just, it looks good in the, in the beginning, but all of a sudden it kind of turns on you. That's why we say all good things must come to an end. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But if it sounds too good to be true, you've probably heard the gospel. <laughs> you've probably just heard the gospel. Because it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to take in. But it's the only thing to do is to believe it. And at that moment, we begin to live in this reality this righteousness, this revelation of his righteousness, of how righteous he is, and now how righteous we are in him. I want to go to one last scripture, and then I'll be through. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your, see that, in your what? In your mind, by wicked works. Your enemies in your mind. You were alienated before you heard the gospel, before you believed the gospel. This is how your mind thought. I'm estranged. I'm alienated from God. And so your works then were fueled to be wicked works because of your mind distancing, recognizing the distance between you and God. Yet now he has reconciled. You see this? This is what, about what Jesus did. Not, not, not because you repented, now you reconciled. No, it's he reconciled you. Okay, verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you. No, wait, wait. Where were, what, what's your condition at this point? Let's back up to 21 in case you fell asleep. <laughs> Yet now he has reconciled. You were where? You were alienated. You're away. Ephesians says you were dead in sin. Next, in the body of his flesh to present you, how? Holy. In, whoa. Whoa. You mean this is how God sees us? This is how God sees the world, my family. He's not in denial. He's seeing things as they are. He believes that Jesus Christ reconciled the whole world. That the whole world, all mankind, every continent, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every man, woman, and child, everyone is seen now because Jesus presented his body as that once for all sacrifice. He sees Jesus presented us holy, above reproach, blameless. 
there is one catch. You have to believe it. You have to believe it in order for it to be true for you. It's true for the entire world. So God is not up there snorting out his nostrils and getting lightning bolts ready to strike the world because of all the garbage that's going on in this world. Hey, it's a sinful world, my family. It's, it's, people are sinners and they need the gospel. All right, they just, that's what they need. They're broken. Their lives are, are torn apart. They don't know who they are. They, all they see is the wrath of God. And so they live accordingly. All right, that's all they sense is that wrath. And so they're living with that fueling their thinking and their actions and their words. And so don't be surprised that we just continue to see the way of the world continue to spiral downward. This should not shock us, my family. This should cause us to open up our mouths and declare the good news and turn on the light and stop pointing our fingers, stop drawing lines of division and let the love of God abound and to choose not to be ashamed of this good news. Yeah, yeah Pastor, I mean, how, are they going to really understand that? You got a better way? You got a better way? What's not to understand? Or what's to understand? Did you understand the gospel when it came to you? Did you believe it? Huh? How did you believe it? Is it because you had everything, all your thoughts were in order? And, oh, yeah, God makes perfect sense. No, you heard this good news and you're like, I want that. Right? You didn't understand how it all worked. It's not about understanding it. It's about believing it. And when you believe, the revelation comes. All right, so we're not here to try to help people understand. I could care less if they really understand it. I just want to see if they believe it. Because understanding will take care of itself. Right? They need to understand that they're a sinner. They need to understand that they're away from it. They need to understand. No, they need to understand that Jesus Christ died for their sins. All right, they already understand those things. God made sure they understood that. Amen. So our message now. Paul says, God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, and now he's given unto us, say it, that's me, the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry has been given to you. God has handed This isn't just for preachers. This isn't just for the pastor of the church or the evangelist or the apostle or the prophet. This is for all here. We all have this ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry of reconciliation is a message. That ministry of reconciliation is a message. All right? What is that message? Have you got it down yet? Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Okay, now she is paid staff, so I know you could be thinking, I pay her to say that. So let's see. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose on the third day according to the scriptures. Beautiful. See, the more we say this, the more comfortable you get with it. Oftentimes, we, we, don't, we feel like we're going to mess it up, right? Well, I, just, I don't know how to say that. I don't, know how to, I don't know even when to bring it up. Well, just try. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Because it's the power of God. There's not, your right words aren't going to save people. Hmm? The gospel is the power. We just... God uses these weak vessels to do it. There's got to be some kind of beauty in that. I was thinking as we were worshiping, there's some kind of beauty about us living in these bodies that are subject to death and weakness and all kinds of things, offering up praise to Him. What does that look like to Him? 
to see this marred vessel (laughs) praising him and also declaring his good news to the world. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the scripture says. It's a beautiful thing whenever you declare his gospel. God gets such pleasure out of that because he so loves the world. And he wants Jesus to receive. And I I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to receive all that he can for what he did. He earned every soul of man. He earned it. He earned everyone's soul. So us going to heaven is not our reward for for doing anything. It's Jesus' reward. You going there is Jesus' reward for what he did. It's glorious. So let's take as many trophies to heaven with us as we can for Jesus and present them to him. Here's what you've earned. Here's your reward. And not be ashamed to to share this glorious gospel. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.